Clippers podcast. We are coming at you on a Thursday afternoon. Yes, you heard that correctly. In the afternoon, we put all of our plans aside. We knew how important it was to record a podcast after game number one. Matt Matawarren has battled illness. He has a fractured heel, possibly, that he's working with. But that does not stop him. He is back on the Ethos Clippers podcast once again. Matt, what's up, my dude? Sports Ethos Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus. How the heck are you? Yes, I've got a bad wheel. It's the middle of the day. I'm so happy to be back here with you, though. I was at the game last night. Uh, Bad heel and all. It was so much fun. So amazing. Can't wait to talk to you about it. Let's start there before we get into the actual game itself. How was uh, how was the game? How was being there? How was the atmosphere? Did it seem like there was positivity in the air? The crowd was electric. Positivity was in the air. They finally switched up the giveaway shirts. Mm. You know, they weren't the coolest in the world, but at least they were different. And um, I'm, I'm going to keep mine for sure. Actually, my wife has claimed it as a sleep shirt already, which is fine. Mine does the same thing, by the way. Mine does the same exact thing. Yeah, she's entitled to it, and, you know, she's really going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the crowd the crowd was awesome. Uh, it was pretty much, from what I could tell, packed by the time they were doing starting lineups. So that was great. Everybody got there or tried to at least get there on time. And then throughout the game, the guys, and we'll talk more about the game, obviously, but Westbrook, Paul George in particular, really pumping up the crowd, really get, getting everybody hyped and excited. A lot, A lot of good cheer, a smattering of Blazers fans. But um, nothing too adversarial, which I guess they really couldn't being down by as much as they were. But all in all, just a wonderful experience. Certainly seemed like there was optimism in the air and sort of just joy. Like like what we're talking about, about this season, how there's just a different feeling. There's not all this weight on our shoulders as fans. And then I'm sure the Clippers feel the same way. And you sort of felt that in the stadium to where everybody was just sort of having a good time. So happy to have basketball back. Happy to see the guys again. And just a great all-around fun, enjoyable atmosphere. Yeah, it's uh, certainly a nice change of pace from the previous couple of years. And we've talked about this on the podcast a couple of times already. How it just felt like there were really heavy expectations on this team in the last two years. Last year specifically, when everyone talked about the depth of this team and how they had, I think, the second best odds to win the title. That's not the case coming into this season. Um, The lofty expectations are not there from the outside world, which certainly helps. And I think that everyone's in a prove it stage, which you and I are as well. But at the same time, we can be in that prove it stage while also being very optimistic about the team. And people that listen to the last podcast know that you predicted the Clippers to win 48 games. Shane picked the Clippers to win 48 games. Both of you figured they would finish fourth in the West. And I picked the Clippers to win 50 games and to finish third in the West. And that does not happen very often where I'm that optimistic. And frankly, it's... It's really not fun being pessimistic. And so I'm coming into the season saying, you know what? And you, you and I have said this before. Like, why bother being pessimistic right out of the gate? Why bother trying to, you know, deal with the injuries that haven't happened yet? Like, everyone's healthy right now apart from Terrence Mann. That's worthy of being in the starting uh, rota- starting lineup or the rotation. And so why not enjoy it while, it's la- while it lasts, you know? And certainly yesterday, the Clippers looked very good. And it's just one of those things, man, that you just got to enjoy it. You know what I mean? Just just enjoy it. You have to enjoy it. Um, and one thing that was cool also at the stadium that was new, or which I don't remember, is there's now a dedicated sort of 
I think they have these at soccer games. You'll, you'll, you'll know more about that than me, but a dedicated uh, cheering section where everybody's in blue and they've got sort of like synchronized chants that they're uh, most, mostly here we go Clippers, but uh, that helped hype up the crowd. And like you said, going into the season optimistic as opposed to nitpicking just from the get go and what could go wrong or what might go wrong, focus on what went right and, Last night, I know it was it wasn't against the best opponent in the world, but last night certainly went right. Yeah, and that's awesome. By the way, I didn't know that was a thing that they have a dedicated fan section like that. That I've never seen that before at a Clippers game. And you're right, that is certainly something that's very uh, soccer esque. I mean, you go to the LAFC, for example, and they have that huge group behind the goal. And that happens at several different games you go to. I mean, if it's a home game for a team, obviously you're going to have a dedicated fan section, but um, you're going to have fans of that team all over the place. But that's really cool that they have that. And the vibes are good. And listen, when the vibes are good and there's positivity, then it feeds into the players. And watching last night, it was a lot of fun. Um, I want to start with Russell Westbrook um, because you and I – didn't want the player to come to the Clippers. You and I had seen what he had done to the previous, I think, four teams that he had been on and how they all wanted to get rid of him. We saw how he was with the Lakers, and frankly, that's the Russell Westbrook we thought the Clippers was getting. We thought the Clippers were going to get this Westbrook guy who was going to take a bunch of shots, be all about himself, and not fit within the offense. But he had his best friend in Paul George on the Clippers, and it seemed like, all right, maybe he was willing to buy in last year. And he helped the Clippers win a game in the postseason. But what he looked like last night, man, was beyond expectations. He did not really take any shots he shouldn't have taken. He was unselfish as could be. He was racing out as fast as he could in a fast break to try and get easy points. He had a couple of dunks. I think the Clippers had 15 dunks total, and he was a large part of that, whether he was assisting or doing the dunking. It just seemed like he was the guy that the Clippers have been missing, and they needed somebody to... I understand there's the whole crowd that says the Clippers don't need a point guard. You're going to have the ball in Kawhi and PG's hands anyways, but PG doesn't want the ball in his hands as an initiator. He just doesn't want that. He doesn't want that pressure. And you saw yesterday how he looks like when he doesn't have that pressure on him and he can play off the ball. And Westbrook seemed like the missing piece that the Clippers needed last year. Um, curious to see your thoughts on that because you obviously saw in person, you saw the energy he was bringing to the team, but man, he impressed the hell out of me last night. Yeah, I could I couldn't agree more. You know, West it's so opening night um on Tuesday you watch the Suns and you watch Kevin Durant. KD's 35 and he looked every bit of it at least to me in that game. Westbrook is 34, he'll be 35 in November and he's got juice, man. He was he was flying up and down the court like you were saying, get, getting the crowd pumped. I mean, the ovation even during the starting lineups that I mentioned earlier when he came out, the crowd went nuts. He in turn went nuts with the crowd. He was diamond it out, and you could, you could just tell that everybody was feeding off of it. Paul George, even Ka- Kawhi was sprinting up and down the court. I mean, it was, it was great to see. Uh, the pace was awesome. Westbrook's got he's just he's got some serious juice left, and to to have Paul George and Kawhi and Paul George in particular, you know, not be point guard P. I mean, you saw last night when the game started, he had one of the classic dribble the ball goes off of his le- dribble into paint the mm-hmm. ball goes off of his leg turnovers Paul George did and to not have him have that huge responsibility on him 
and Westbrook a full season now or full training camp and just starting the season out healthy, it's going to pay dividends. I mean, you and I were completely wrong about Westbrook coming in and even Westbrook being in the starting lineup, right? We're like, well, if he's going to be there, at least just bring him off the bench and have him run that bench unit. But boy, it looked like they fit in or they were there. He fit in perfectly uh, with what we're, with what the Clippers are trying to do. It does, you know, there is always that bit of concern um, in the preseason. We saw it. And yesterday you could tell a little bit with you wonder about the three point shooting with uh, Zoo and Westbrook both on the floor. It didn't seem to be a problem last night, uh, especially with Kawhi being five of five from downtown, which I'm sure you noticed. Mm-hmm. But Westbrook, to, to your point, just started the, the, the season off seamlessly. He's got juice. He was quick. The, the team was feeding off of him, sprinting up and down the court. You got to love it. Yeah, it's a good point about the three-point shooting. And I think that's probably the biggest weakness that you have when a guy like Westbrook starts. And you look at what Robert Covington brought, and you normally want to have Rocco shoot the ball better than he did from distance. He was one of four from three, and the Clippers in general didn't shoot um, that great in like that spot, whether it was Robert Covington, whether it was K.J. Martin, whether it was Nico Batum. Um, Batum didn't even attempt a three, like, and K.J. Martin was 0 for 2. Um, Powell was 2 of 5, and then Bones was 3 of 8. We'll talk about Bones later. And then Westbrook was one of two. So apart from PG and Kawhi, who were combined nine for 12 from three, the rest of the Clippers were seven for, I believe, 22. Um, if I did my math correctly that quickly. So it's not great. I mean, but when you have PG and Kawhi playing the way that they're playing and on the floor healthy, you're going to win games. And that's what Shane and I talked about in the last podcast is that it's really simple. When your two best players are on the floor, you're going to win games. But the issue is how many games of PG and Kawhi are you going to get? Because if you can get 60, 65 games of them two together on the floor together, you're going to win a lot of games. And we saw that in the preseason that the Clippers were over a plus 30 in the plus minus with those guys on the floor and together. And so it's one of those things where it's very obvious that when your two best players are healthy, you're going to win games. And in this case, you have two of the top 10, 15 players in the NBA when fully healthy and so when they're playing, then yeah, no duh, you're going to win games. And with R- Russell Westbrook in particular, you look at a guy who has been known to take a bunch of shots and known to turn over the basketball a lot. He only took eight shots yesterday. I mean, he had more assists than he had attempted field goals, which is awesome if you're Russell Westbrook. He had 13 assists and only three turnovers. I mean, it's a damn near perfect game when you look at what he brought to the team when it came to juice and energy and the fast break and defense. I mean, 13 assists, three turnovers, five of eight from the field, one of two from three, and he didn't even take a free throw, which he's not great at free throws in the first place. All around, a really good game from Russell Westbrook. And if you can get that type of performance, Matt, along with a healthy PG and Kawhi, and then, of course, what we know we're going to get from Zoo. This team's going to win a boatload of games, but it certainly starts with that point guard position that has to help out PG and Kawhi. And I think Westbrook did that last night. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he was a plus 30, right? On on the night, of, all the starters were had huge plus minus, all of them over well over 20. Westbrook with the best. And I wanted to jump on that Paul George, Kawhi playing together, being healthy um, point that you were brought up. And that um, in that the first quarter, I remember last year we would be like, okay, when they were playing together, what's the substitution pattern? Which one of them is going to go out first? One of them, one or the other would go out maybe five to six minutes into the first quarter. But I was paying attention to 
the, the substitutions last night, and both of the, the Westbrook, Zoo, and Covington all came out um, before the three-minute mark, or and, and in and around the three-minute mark, that's when Kawhi and Paul George both came out. But they were both in. They were the last two starters to stay in in that first quarter together when the Clippers were building a nine-point lead uh, to end the quarter. But I just thought it was really interesting, that substitution pattern of Lou to keep those two guys in to be the last two to be subbed out. Who knows if that was just an opening night deal, but it's not, it's interesting to see that I, one or the other last year would always be come out way, way earlier than the other. One might even play the whole first quarter sometimes. Mm-hmm. So last night it was interesting to see them both in and then both out with about three minutes left in the first. That's actually a really good point because it was Kawhi that played the whole first quarter last year and PG would come out with about three or four minutes left and then he'd come in with about two minutes gone by in the second quarter um, and join the bench unit. And uh, Ty Lue talked about wanting to have one of Kawhi or PG on the floor at all times this year. And that obviously didn't happen as we got an all bench lineup yesterday in the um, first quarter, which is something that we didn't expect to see. And I, I think we should see some staggering of the two, but at the same time, to your point, the more minutes that you can get with the two of them together on the floor, the better. I mean, if it's not just the, start of the first quarter, the start of the third, and then the final four or five minutes of the fourth. I mean, if you can get some more minutes in there that you wouldn't normally expect, then those are more minutes that you're probably going to win. And you talked about the plus minus, and you look at the starters, and the starting lineup of Westbrook, PG, Kawhi, Rocco, and Zoo was plus 25 in 1941. That means in 19, let's say 20, 20 of the 48 minutes, the Clippers were a plus 25 with those guys on the floor. And so the it's really simple. The more that your best players are on the floor, the better you're going to do. And in this case, the Clippers just had a great recipe for success. And it certainly helps when Portland is a very young team. And listen, it's easy to overreact against a Portland team that, frankly, is not very good and is very young. Um, they certainly have some players that are going to be good. But I think the Clippers did what they need to do. How many times last year, Matt, did we see the Clippers go up against a bad team and lose a game they had no business losing? I mean, it happened far too often. And this is the case where when you're a good team and you play a bad team, you should win by a lot. In this case, the score doesn't tell the story because Portland obviously had a great run in the fourth quarter with everybody out. But the Clippers were up by like 30 points. And so the Clippers took care of business. And that's what you want to see. And you want to see it, you're right, and you want to see it early in the season because, remember, I mean, they would they would lose games that they had no business losing throughout the season last year, and yeah. you and I would come here and lament. But it happened a lot early in the season too, right? And so to come out right off the bat, we, you and I always talk about how the Clippers need to get these strong starts, especially, especially with the opponents that they have. They did come out. They took care of business. Even in the fourth, Ty Lue, uh, Ty Lue got the starting guys back in there just to make sure that they closed the deal get this thing over with, get out there with the, out of there with a W. So it was awesome to see. Yeah, they certainly, if they're talking about taking the regular season seriously, game one check. And to that point, to build on the taking the regular season seriously, one thing that has been talked about at nauseum is the Clippers running and being very fit. And we saw that in the preseason that the Clippers during practice were running a lot. I mean, the beat reporters did a tremendous job of making of hammering that point home. And you saw it yesterday, man. You really saw it with the emphasis of getting the rebound, leaking out quickly. I mean, a, Kawhi had a couple of great long passes, Kevin Love-esque, to find Westbrook for a dunk. 
I mean, the Clippers were doing a great job of getting easy points. And it's pretty simple, man. If you are going to run and you're going to show more urgency to get down the floor than the other team, then getting two points on a fast break certainly makes things a lot easier than having to go and run a half-court set and try and get two points. And so if you're able to run and you're going to have more energy than the other team and you're going to be fitter than the other team, you're going to get points that will certainly make a difference in the end. And a lot of games are decided by six, seven points or less. And if you can get those fast-break points and get easy buckets because sometimes buckets don't come so easy in the NBA, then the Clippers are going to need to take it. And they didn't do that last year. This team was slow. This team was old. And they didn't have that Russell Westbrook type guy for most of the season that had that energy. They didn't have that Bones Highland off the bench that had that energy. And now they do. And I think this team is well constructed to go and get those 50 wins that I predicted. And I was really pleased with what I saw overall. But to your point, the fitness certainly seemed like it was there. And I'm sure it looked like that in person as well. And not, yeah, not only not only leaking out uh on the offensive end, but getting back on the defensive mm-hmm. end as well to prevent some fast break points or at least to contest or at least to try to get back. So yeah, they were hustling back and forth and back and forth. You know, it is, it, there's that video where, where Ty Lu makes the two free throws, like practice is over or we run and he makes the two free throws. Well, they were having fun doing it in that video it looked like, but also it paid off because they looked in shape. And I'll tell you this much. I don't know. I, I know, actually, I know live. I've never seen Kawhi Leonard, look this spry I know I've seen it on TV and stuff but but actually seeing him play live man he he, he's never gonna look thin but he just looks fit he looks in shape and and he was hustling just as much as anyone else so everybody down the line point Plumley, you know he gets the rebound he jumps out I know I know one of the worst uh part of the worst center duo in the league but Hmm. of course I'm kidding um but these guys were running up and down Uh, you, you talk about the younger guys too KJ Martin um Bones everybody was hustling so yeah, great to see. You just brought up a lot of stuff there that we're going to cover. Um, I mean, comical with the whole center thing. We'll get to Zoo in a second. And Plumley. I mean, they Zoo was just outstanding. And he did that last year. He started off the season really well. But let's talk about Kawhi because Kawhi certainly looks healthy. And you mentioned the lift that he's getting on the threes. Five of five from downtown. I think Shane um, earlier today at Young NBA, who joined me on the last podcast, I think mentioned that Kawhi is shooting 48% from three um, in the last, I don't know, like ye- last year or so. Um, I got to find the exact stat, but he was five of five yesterday. And when he's going to shoot that well, you're going to uh, you're gonna win a lot of games. Nine of 17 overall. And I think three or four of those misses when he was when he was in the painted area trying to draw a foul and he didn't get it. And so, you go 9 of 17, 5 of 5 from 3. He didn't even get to the free throw line. Five rebounds, six assists, a steal, and a block. And I know he made some pretty dumb passes. He had four turnovers, which is un esque And he even mentioned that after the game that he needs to do better at finding his teammates. It's just one of those things where the when you have Kawhi playing at this level, um, then you're in good shape. And by the way, that stat is over the last 38 games, Kawhi is shooting 48.8% from 3. That's 49%. 98 of his last 201 from downtown in his last 38 games. So you saw, man, he he looked good at the end of last year before he got hurt, and he certainly looks healthy now. And he's dangerous, and the Clippers are dangerous when he's healthy. Yeah, uh, that that is an unbelievable three-point stat. And uh, he and, and Paul George, they look the part of, you know, the dynamic duo. And just, like we mentioned it before, but 
bringing in Westbrook just really, especially last night, and I think especially this season, now that now that he's ingrained and that they've had all this time together, he really does stir that drink and just makes everything happen. And you mentioned it, Zoo. He just he he looks exactly like he did at the like you said at the beginning of last season. I mean, just efficient, fighting for boards, diving to the rim. You know, he had four blocks, so he he looked like a force as well. So you you just combine all of that with the starting lineup, and you know, be it Covington, uh, be it Man when he gets healthy. Uh, that's a either with either one of those guys, it's a great starting five that. Um, you know, obviously, we always say it if healthy, it's going to be a force for sure. So that starting five um, offensive rating in the 20 minutes they're on the floor together, 136.6. Defensive rating, 75.6. Net rating, 61. That is mind-boggling. When you have an Ooh. offensive rating at 136.6, a defensive rating at 75 and a half. I mean, we see a defensive rating near 100 or so usually mm-hmm. um, for good defenses. But, man, that was – I mean, that's impressive. That That's not going to continue because you're not going to play Portland every night, like I said. But you want to beat bad teams and you want to have good numbers against bad teams. And that offense – that obviously we talked about with Kawhi and Westbrook and PG that we'll touch on, but the defense with Rocco and Zoo and those other guys with PG, Kawhi, Westbrook, I mean, damn near perfect. And with Zoo, 8 of 10 from the field is obviously awesome, but to get those four blocks and to show how important he is defensively, absolutely foolish, of course, that to say that he is the, one of the worst centers in the NBA. He, I mean, he and Plumlee, it's what the Clippers needed last year, too. They needed that backup big and Plumlee got eight rebounds a couple of assists exactly what you want from a big and I love what I'm seeing from the center position and if Zoo can stay like this all year and be as aggressive both offensively and defensively that raises the Clippers ceiling even higher if he can continue to play at this level because yes he had a bunch of double doubles last year to start the season his block numbers are really high as well um, if you play fantasy basketball, you know you just know from tra- from tracking that kind of stuff as well. But if he can keep this up, where he's a dominant force, um, blocking shots and rebounding the basketball, man, this team could be really, really special, Matt. And how about this, Brandon? Uh, speaking of Plumlee and Zoo, they played all all but four minutes between them. Twenty six for Zoo, eighteen for Plumlee, mm-hmm. and the only four minutes they didn't play were Diabate, and that was in garbage time. So. Ty Lue kept one of the centers on the floor for for pretty much the whole game, which we have been really in favor of, I mean, since Plumlee got onto the team. So we're really seeing that that rotation come into play as well. I loved seeing either one of those two guys on the floor. And you're right, if Zoo can continue to play like this, I mean, we all we all we all know he's a force, but he's probably gonna start to get some recognition of actually being that force. But both I just like seeing one of the centers on the floor at all times, you know, of course there are going to be situations that dictate that neither of them are on the floor during the course of a game. But yesterday it was great to see one of the two on the floor at all times. Yeah. And then you put in a guy like Rocco next to zoo and that raises the ceiling even higher of your defense. And listen, I know team man is a better offensive fit with the starting lineup, um, and he provides that floor spacing that you're talking about that you probably don't get as much of from Rocco. I mean, Rocco can shoot the three ball, but Terrence Mann's been working on it a lot. I'm not, 
we'll see who's better during the regular season. Um, but you certainly add some juice with team man in the starting lineup, but I think defensively Rocco's a better fit. And if you're going to get these types of performances from Westbrook, uh, Kawhi and PG offensively, then I'm okay with Rocco being with this starting lineup and providing that defense because we've already said, we've always said it defense leads to offense. And with Rocco getting three steals and a block, that's what you want from him. You want that defense and those active hands getting in the passing lanes and I'm really glad to see Ty Lue make the right decision and put him in the starting lineup when we find out when we found out that man was hurt because he could have easily put in Batum. He could have easily put in Marcus Morris, um, which he has done previously. I don't even know if Morris is actually hurt. I know he was a DNP yesterday. Um, I think he was inactive. But the right decision was made. And it just seems like everything right now is being done well. And the, when I say that, what do I mean? The right decisions are being made. Last year, we wanted Rocco to play. He's now starting. Last year, we wanted Russell Westbrook to shoot less and be a part of the offense and run and make the offense work. He did that. We wanted Kawhi and PG to be aggressive offensively, and they've done that. We want Zoo to be great defensively and be aggressive inside the uh, paint area, and he's doing that. It just seems like everybody understands their role, and even the coaches understand what's important right now to win games, which is certainly something I didn't feel last year, and I'm not sure you did either. I didn't feel that last year. No way. I mean, it's it's evidenced by the games that the Clippers should have won and lost. The uh, the how how the players were not sort of content with their not knowing who's going to play from day to day or the rotations and all that stuff. You know, you mentioned, um, you mentioned way earlier that, um, there was an all bench unit that came in at one point. Yeah. First and then quarter. you also mentioned, you also mentioned the juice of Terrence Mann. And I couldn't help but thinking last night when that bench unit was in, like they could have actually used a Terrence Mann mm-hmm. in that all bench unit. So what I'm trying to say is if you keep Covington, you know, and his defense is three steals his block last night, in that starting lineup, and then T-Man does end up, after all, coming off the bench, he, he could actually be a very welcome spark plug and uh, a scoring presence in that bench, which last night, you know, Bones had his 17 points, but other than that, the bench unit sort of needed that injection of uh, of juice, as it were. So I don't know that that's the worst idea either. No, great point. And I think that if you take out K.J. Martin and you put in Terrence Mann in that spot, then you've got yourself a bench unit of Bones, Powell, Man, Batum, and Plumley, and I think that's really solid. And they all bring different stuff to the table, whether it be defense from Man and from Batum, whether it be the offense from Powell and Bones, and also what you'll get from Man. It just feels like it brings a lot to the table in different aspects. And I think Man coming off the bench does make sense. And initially, I said, yeah, you've got KJ Martin with that athleticism. And I think we're not there yet with KJ. And I think he's going to get there, um, just like Bones is gonna was going to get there last year and that he needed more time, and now he's getting that time. you got to remember, KJ Martin's really young. And so if, if you're the Clippers, then you have to play right now the guys that are going to help you win games. And, of course, I think Mann is certainly an upgrade over KJ Martin in that bench unit, and you keep Rocco with the starting unit, and you've got yourself a recipe for success. Now, listen. This could all change next game. We'll see what happens. But there were so many times last year we were coming on this podcast and saying, this player should have played more. This player should have played less. This player should start. This player should be on the bench. It just felt like yesterday, 
all the right moves were made by Ty Lue, and it feels like everybody's on the same page from both the players to the front office to the coach, and that's something that's really good to see and something that you want to see at the start of the season, and it seems like it's here. Yeah, it just speaks to the cohesion of this unit that's now been together for a while, and I'm glad you mentioned Bones because, and you've said this earlier, but he looks, he's really made a leap and not in the sense that he's going to be an all-star or even a starter, but he is now the backup point guard. He is a rotation player for this squad. He was going to get meaningful minutes, not only in the regular season, but, you know, come playoff time. And he showed it last night. He looks better physically. He's making better decisions. Um, and I was, you know, he, he had a little bit of foul trouble, but so what he, I was impressed uh, through preseason and certainly last night in the regular season opener. So I'm very happy to see the the progression of Bones and how he's he's definitely going to be an important part of this ro- of this rotation and the bench unit in particular. Yeah, and I, I wanted to come on here and talk about Bones because of all the players yesterday. I mean, you obviously expect PG and Kawhi to be at a high level. You know what you're getting from Roko. You know what you're getting from Zoo. Um, I thought Westbrook and Highland were the two players that really stood out to me as guys that surpass my expectations and like you have the high expectations for the other guys like PG and Kawhi but Bones looked really good yesterday and his ability to spread the floor his confidence in taking the three ball his energy the happiness that it seemed like he and Westbrook were playing together when they were on the floor and I said in the preseason that it certainly seems like Westbrook is being that mentor for Bones and Bones really looks up to him and I think that he's going to learn a lot And if he's able to learn a lot from Russell Westbrook, listen, Russell Westbrook's a Hall of Famer. And so if you can get those lessons to Bones Highland, who's going to possibly be your point guard of the future, then let's give him minutes now because you don't have a backup point guard and see what happens. And right now, the early returns are really positive from Bones Highland. He was tremendous, remember, before he went down with that ankle injury in the preseason. And for him to come back that quickly, that's another good sign, dude, because How many times have we seen the Clippers get injuries and the guys take forever to come back? And for a guy like Bones to sprain his ankle the way he did and come back as quickly as he did shows he perhaps is a really quick healer, which is something you love to have on your team because it means that he's going to be available more often than not. So between availability and his actual play on the floor from what we saw yesterday, that's another uh, guy that certainly raises the ceiling of this team. And I was just really impressed watching him yesterday. It seemed like he was playing with a confidence that I don't think he had last year. Yeah, confidence, and he, yeah, he has a presence on the floor now, which I don't think that he had before. You know, he's he's got Ty Lue, a former point guard as a coach, and he's got Westbrook as a mentor, so everything is in place for for Bones to succeed, and he's just got to put in the work, and it's it's evident that he has. He looked great. He's confident. Uh, the Bodie and Bones show, who wouldn't watch it? Um, yeah, it, it was, he was, he was a, he had a, a bounce to him that Westbrook had as well. And the whole team did, I think just, you know, kind of by osmosis, just picking it up from those two guys and everybody just playing with energy and, and confidence and fun. Uh, there were smiles, there were smiles all around. It helps when you, you know, play a team like the trailblazers and are up by 30 at a certain point, but even from the jump, from, from the intros, from the video, uh, everybody was having a great time and you love to see it. Yeah, and so I think we agree that we'd like to see for now Roko stay in that starting lineup and see what man yeah. can bring to the bench unit. 
And then obviously, I mean, Kawhi and PG, as long as they're healthy, and then you got Zoo doing, doing, doing what he's doing, and then Westbrook, then yeah, I mean, this team seems fairly set. And that's certainly something that you're happy to see. And the funny thing is, we didn't even talk about your boy. And you know, night to night, you're going to get Norm Powell. You're going to get some big nights from him shooting the basketball. You're going to get aggressiveness from him. And he only had eight points yesterday and only two free throw attempts. But that's a guy that gets the free throw line. That's a guy that shoots a lot and can get on a heater and score 20 to 25 points in a game. And we didn't even see that yesterday. And so that'll come as well. And if you can get that on top of what we saw today, uh, saw yesterday, then that's great. And, and we didn't even see that last night, Matt. Oh, I know you guys are waiting for it. <laughs> The, well, the first thing he did was come in and draw a foul. So, yeah, his aggressiveness is going to pay dividends. Uh, he can play make a little bit and uh, just another scoring presence and just a guy who is confident, who knows how to play, and who just is a solid rotation piece so that when Tyler's, you know, when he's putting that bench unit in, when he's moving people back and forth, just another guy you can count on. Uh, and I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned Norm. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I forgot you, Norm. I, I owe you, I owe you dinner. Yeah. Poor, poor Norm, poor Norm. My, know, my final observation before we get to the last point that I want to bring up. Um, I thought PG was really good in that second quarter yesterday and, and it seemed like he was a little passive, um, in the first quarter. I mean, he, he didn't do as much offensively. Um, but it seemed like he got, I mean, he got hot and he was shooting threes. He was getting to the basket. He was just seemed like he was aggressive and it worked that he was with Westbrook offensively. It just seems like if PG can have that type of aggressiveness in the first quarter, the second quarter and continue to carry it throughout the game, which it seemed like he did, then <clears throat> listen, that the PG's come into the season saying that he wants to be fitter. He wants to be healthier. He wants to be better. And again, for him to get three steals yesterday on top of what he did offensively, uh, I was really happy with what I saw from PG. And that's the final point that I really wanted to make on the guys that played. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on PG. You know, he mentioned that he wants to be sort of a bully, really aggressive this this season. And it was it was, it was noticeable um, in, in the stands that he was a little passive, not doing much in that first quarter. But once he turned it on, man, he turned it on and it, it did not turn it off. I mean, he had a... He had a huge dunk. He was shooting threes from all over the place, four of seven, like you mentioned. He was great. He looked he looked just as healthy and spry and just ready to go, just right out of the gate as Kawhi and all the other guys. So, yeah, great point on, on Paul George. Plus, helps that he's on my fantasy team. A little extra bonus for me. I got Kawhi this year. Last year, it was PG that was on my team. This year, I got Kawhi in my auction oh, league. Oh, we, we, swap, we swapped. Yeah, I had we, Kawhi we, last year. <laughs> yep, we swapped. So I got Kawhi this year, so I'm hoping that he stays healthy. Because if he did, I mean, if he does, then that bargain of, I think, 27 bucks is what I played, paid for him in auction is uh, going to pay off. Um, one last thing I wanted to mention. It was reported before the game yesterday that the Clippers have pulled out of the James Harden talks. And you and I talked about this. And we thought that we, I said to you, did I not say to you that if it's not done before the season, then they're not, it's not going to happen before the all-star break. And, and you, you started to put those tea leaves down and, and I was right there with you. And I think that it makes a lot of sense. You start with this team or rather you start the season with a team that you have, see if you need James Harden and go from there. I mean, it do- never made sense that the Clippers were going to let this carry into the regular season and do this trade 10 to 15 games into the season unless somehow Philadelphia drops the asking price, which is 
certainly not happening at the moment. So curious to get your take on that because I was not surprised at all the Clippers decide to pull out um, of the James Harden sweepstakes. I think that they're not going to revisit it until it's closer to the trade deadline. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, we'll hear mention of it up until the trade deadline just because it's James Harden. It's a big story, but I, I do think now that the season has, has officially begun. I don't, I don't think that there's going to be any momentum at anything kind of going until, until that trade deadline. And even then, you know, depending on where the Clippers are at, if they're looking this good, who knows if, if they, they may even, I don't know about rescinding their offer, but they say, Hey, hold a bit, hold on now. Let's, let's rethink how much we were willing to give for Harden, you know, depending if he, if, if they even let him on the team plane in Philly, I know some of our friends and some of the people who listen on Twitter have given us a little guff about being very thirsty for, uh, for Harden and all that kind of stuff. It's actually going to give me great pleasure uh, not to have to talk about it for a while now. So I hope, I hope that's the case. And I think it will be. Yeah. And apparently uh, as we're recording this, there's some talk about um, this whole player participation policy and whether something's being violated by James Harden, not playing while being healthy. Um, So if that's the case that they're already on this player participation thing, then I would be, Pretty surprised if James Harden's not playing in the next couple of games for Philly. And I know he said he's not going to play for the 76ers, but it really feels like he has no choice. And that based on the policy they have in place with how healthy players need to play, then it's either he's going to play or the 76ers are going to cave and trade him and get him off the roster. Like one of those two things needs to happen. We'll see what happens because I don't think you can have him during today's day and age and the rules that are in place. I don't think you can just have him sit for a long period of time. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I just don't think they're going to revisit that. And listen, it may may make more sense to try and trade Marcus Morris and a protected first round pick for Malcolm Brogdon, a guy we saw yesterday that the Clippers tried to get and decided to pull out of that trade. And they look so dumb right now for doing so, by the way, because no Marcus Morris and having Brogdon on your team would look a lot better than um, the alternative. So we'll see what happens there. Certainly Portland feels like they're going to trade him at some point. So yeah, they may end up with Brogdon over Harden. Uh, Who knows, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Brog- Brogdon looked great last night. He yeah. he and uh, the Time Lord Robert Williams they they just looked like they stuck up, stuck out like sore thumbs. Like these two guys do not be- belong on this particular Blazers team. So I imagine those guys will be on the move at a certain point. Yeah, cool. Well, listen, that covers game number one. Um, game number two now. The Clippers hit the road, and they're going to play against a Utah team that plays pretty well at home. So we'll see what this Utah team looks like. They lost their opener yesterday to Sacramento by 16. Um, but listen, Clarkson, Markinen, Collins, Horton Tucker, Kessler, it's a solid team. But again, another one that the Clippers are better than. So this should be a game the Clippers, again, assert their will. And they should get a good win on the road, hopefully, against Utah. And then they've got San Antonio, who's pesky as hell with, with Wemby, and then Orlando. So the way the schedule set, sets up, this is the type of run where you need to come up with a lot of wins. And when Kawhi and PG are healthy, you got to win these types of games. So the Clippers hopefully will go 4-0 in October before that Lakers game on November 1st. So the next game will indeed be on Friday. Um, not sure if we'll have a podcast for you um, after that one on Saturday or something. 
uh, because frankly, I'm getting married tomorrow. Um, and so, oh, yeah, congratulations. people are probably listening. Wait, you talked about your wife. Yes, I did get married at the temple March 21st, 2020. We were scheduled to get married two weeks, actually one week after the shutdown occurred. And then we finally were able to uh, put this date on the calendar. So we are getting married tomorrow with the ceremony and the party. Um, so I don't know what the hell this weekend's going to look like. So we'll see. Most likely, my guess is we'll probably come back. Um, I don't know, Matt. We'll either do one Saturday or Sunday or maybe Monday um, after that Wemby game and recap the Utah and San Antonio games. But either way, we'll try and get a podcast out for you before the Orlando game. But it's possible it may not happen. But either way, we want to make sure we got one out to you uh, before game number two. So, of course, as always, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Mattawarren on X on Twitter, whatever the hell you want to call it, at BD Marcus for myself. Of course, you can, of course, you can find the Ethos Clippers podcast on that platform as well. If you can give us a five-star rating and drop a kind review as well, always does help the podcast. So, any parting words, my friend? Well... Mazel tov for this weekend, of course. Thank uh, you. Very, very, very happy for you. And while we're sharing good news, yes, my wife and I are expecting our first child. There you go. Hell yes. If that's exciting, man. Congratulations. You get to join the uh, the fine world of no sleep for a long ah, yes. time. And the being a father, man, is the absolute best. So this is the first time you're telling me this. I'm so excited for you. Um, I was hoping when you started that sentence that that's how it was going to end. So congratulations to you guys. Um, when is your wife due? April 30th, 2024. All right. April 30th. So that is what? November, December, January, February, March, six months? About that, yeah. About we just finished the first trimester. So the news is being spread. I'm shouting it from rooftops. And here, of course, on the Sports Ethos Clippers pod. So, yeah, we're very excited. Wow. Tremendous news. We have another Clippers baby coming in to the fold. That's awesome, Matt. So congratulations to Matt. Congratulations to your wife and to your family. And so great way to end the podcast. The positivity is flowing, baby. We got a Clippers win. We got a wedding. We got a baby on the way. Everything is looking up at the moment for Brandon, Matt, and the Clippers. So until next time, he's Matt. I'm Brandon. And go Clips. Go Clips. Go Clips.